Hey, this is Mohal Joshi from Los Angeles, California. I follow Indian foreign policy and defense with a special focus on Asia. You can follow me on Twitter at Mohal Joshi. Hey, this is Kishore Narayan from Bengaluru in India. I am an international relations expert specializing in global security, conflict resolution, and international negotiation. My focus areas include peace building and digital diplomacy. You can find me on Twitter at Veggie Diplomat. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of India Rising Strategic Affairs Conversations with Mohan and Kishore a show in which we analyze the happenings from around the world and their impact on India. In today's episode, we will be discussing about the statement by the Indian Defense Minister, Sri Rajnath Singh, about how India might reconsider its self-imposed no-first-use policy depending on circumstances. But before that, we wish to take a moment and thank all our listeners for all the feedback and the genuine warmth shown. Our listener base is constantly on the rise on SoundCloud and other podcast media, and we are glad that we are able to reach out to a completely new audience in the podcast world. Our our ever-increasing listenership numbers are a testimony to this. We are also receiving targeted feedback and approvals, and we are closely following each one of them. One such appreciation that came last week, specifically regarding our previous episode on the dilution of Article 370, was especially gladdening. I quote, The podcast gives a lot of insight into the 370 issue. The first half contained an in-depth discussion about the articles. In the second half, the annexation of Gilgit-Baltistan into Pakistan in 2018 was mentioned. This was something that I never knew about. Both of them have covered or discussed the issue superbly. I need to listen to other previous episodes also, unquote. Once again, a heartfelt thanks from both Mohal and me for all the time you have spent with us, and we will continue to strive hard to keep up the quality and content in the future too. Now, without any further ado, let's get on with today's episode. Defense Minister Rajnath Singh was in Pokhran in Rajasthan, where the nuclear tests were held to offer tributes to Sri Atal Bihari Vajpayee on his first death anniversary. He said, and I quote, Pokhran is the area which witnessed Atalji's firm resolve to make India a nuclear power and yet remain firmly committed to the doctrine of no first use. India has strictly adhered to this doctrine. What happens in the future depends on the circumstances. This statement by the defense minister set the proverbial cat among the pigeons as it opened up a new debate on the new first use of nuclear weapons. Now, before we look at the nuclear doctrine and India's stated policies, let's look at how the NDA government, headed by PM Narendra Modi, since 2014, has handled the Pakistani challenge. For the past two decades, India lacked effective options to deter cross-border terrorists protected by Pakistan's nuclear umbrella. 
A conventional retaliation could be threatened only after high-profile attacks, such as those on Parliament in 2001 and in Mumbai on 2011. But because of the risk, uh, well advertised by Pakistan, that an actual Indian retaliation could invite low-yield nuclear weapons use on Indian forces or cities, New Delhi always stopped short of war. This changed in February 2019 when PM Modi ordered a conventional retaliatory response inside Pakistani territory following an attack on a military convoy in Pulwama, something that we have covered extensively in one of our previous episodes. This set a new benchmark binding Modi and all his successors in the future to respond in a similar and stronger manner. Unlike this year, situations in the future could escalate and the Indian armed forces might have to take the war into Pakistan, rubbing against Pakistan's nuclear red lines. This is where Rajnath Singh's statement comes in. If Pakistan were to threaten a nuclear strike, or if New Delhi were to believe that a strike was in the offing, India would strike first. The Modi government appears to have calculated that the fear of an Indian nuclear strike will raise Pakistan's costs of cross-border terrorism, thus deterring its use. So, Kishore, that was a good uh, introduction for the listeners. So, can you please elaborate what is the Modi government security doctrine? Uh, yes, indeed, Mohan. So, uh, officially, there is nothing called a security doctrine uh, published by the government in New Delhi. The government only publishes something called a nuclear doctrine, which we can talk about later. But the fact is that India continues to suffer from subconventional cross-border terror attacks by Pakistan. Pakistan also actively indulges in support to separatist elements in the erstwhile state of Jammu and Kashmir. Obviously, India's patience against such activities of Pakistan has run out and is forced to act each time in a manner bigger than the previous response. A conventional retaliation could be threatened only after high-profile attacks, as I mentioned, uh, such as those uh, against the parliament on parliament in 2011 and in Mumbai on 2011. But then, uh, because of the risk uh, that an actual Indian retaliation could invite a low-yield nuclear weapon use on Indian forces or cities, New Delhi uh, always stopped short of war. Now, all this changed in 2019, as I told. So again, uh, this is where uh, things stand as of now. And uh, India has actually upped the ante when it comes to conventional retaliatory response. Mohal, so with that as a security uh, strategy for the government, can you uh, kind of differentiate between India's nuclear doctrine and the Pakistani nuclear doctrine to our listeners? Yeah, so India's nuclear doctrine was initially drafted by then the National Security Advisory Board in 1999, shortly after uh, we went overtly nuclear in 1998. Uh, 
this was updated and officially published uh, finally on i think jan 4th 2003 so the doctrine uh, broadly touches upon the following main concepts of uh, what is called a cmd a credible minimum deterrence uh, nfu which is the no first use and which has been in the news lately with uh, rajnath singh's re- uh, comments and uh, massive retaliation so let's go one by one for the benefit of listeners like what does all three of them entail so cmd is what is referred as credible minimum deterrence so this refers to having a minimum stockpile of nuclear weapons which is credible in the eyes of the adversary and which does take the threat from india's nuclear weapons seriously so see unlike the cold war where both usa and the ussr had thousands like some reports up to 65000 nuclear weapons at their disposable to as a disposal to annihilate each other uh, but like in india's case we are looking at the minimum stockpile which is seen credible in the eyes of the enemy Uh, the next one is a uh, nfu which is like no first use so out of the nine so called countries which have nuclear weapons only two of them china and india have a official declared policy of no first use for nuclear weapons which means that conventional attacks won't be responded to with nuclear weapons they are only to deter nuclear attacks and will be used only if the adversary use nuclear weapons before them uh like and uh, the last one is uh, what is called as a, a massive retaliation which means that uh, if pakistan or let's say an adversary uses uh, any kind of nuclear attack on us it will be responded to with maximum force now as a uh, brigadier gumit kanwal like who has written extensively on nuclear matters and uh, armed forces issues wrote recently that with a pacifist strategic culture steeped in gandhian nonviolence india is a reluctant nuclear power he adds saying that indians have tended to believe that nuclear weapons are political weapons and not weapons of war fighting and their sole purpose is to deter the use and the threat of uh, nuclear weapons uh, india's nuclear doctrine is built around credible minimum deterrence and professes a no use posture so that is broadly encapsulates the indian nuclear de- doctrine which relies on credible minimum deterrence no first use and massive retaliation I, i'll go a bit more into the massive retaliation later in the podcast mm-hmm. so on the other hand pakistan earlier they used to espouse what they called a strategic deterrence that is pakistan will uh, use nuclear weapons to protect the itself against the conventional superiority of the indian forces i mean in many of the earlier wars um, like the 65 and especially the 71 war what they have realized that the in the brute force of the indian conventional cannot be overcome easily so especially after the 71 war i mean they started working on their nuclear program to uh level sort of the playing field uh, in their mind between the two countries so to uh, however since they have shifted to their policy which is called to full spectrum deterrence to understand that what that means we'll step back take a small step back in history 
So in the 2002, uh, during Operation Parakram, India mobilized thousands of troops after attacks on Indian parliament. However, this exercise took many weeks, which allowed Pakistan to counter mobilize to thwart any th uh, any thrust by uh, Indian armed forces or armored columns across the border. Now, one of the lessons learned on the on Indian side from Op Parakram was that India needed to mobilize its troops and formations quicker to make shallow thrusts into Pakistan in case of uh, war breaking out. Now, Pakistan, which as a result had to make some shifts in his own doctrine. So they shifted their doctrine from what they refer to as strategic deterrence to now what they call as full spectrum deterrence. So now Pakistan has indicated to will, willing, uh, indicated its willingness to deploy what they call as tactical nuclear weapons. These are very low yield weapons uh, uh, which they will they have professed to fit on the short range Nasser missiles which they can launch on ad advancing Indian uh, columns of uh, uh, armored vehicles, tanks, uh, infantry fight fighting vehicles and even soldiers when they cross their so-called red lines while on Pakistani soil. So Pakistani uh, has like sort of a first use policy is uh, basically more about a projection which they, uh, where they espouse a very low threshold for using tactical weapons. Unlike the Indian approach where we have professed a no first use policy where we'll only use nuclear weapons in when attacked with nuclear weapons. So now this has been done deliberately by Pakistan to discourage any conventional attack by India while they continue to push sub-conventional attacks against uh, India via non-state actors like the various militant groups. So Kishore, uh, the statement by Radhanath Singh, is this the first time that there have been statements on revising the no first use policy? Uh, in fact, this is the first time that it is coming out uh, at such a high level. Uh, but then let's, let's take uh, a few steps back and try to figure out if uh, such noises had been made earlier. So in November 2016, Speaking at the launch of uh, Gurmit Kaval, uh, Brigadier Gurmit Kaval, whom you referred to earlier, uh, speaking at the launch of his book on national security, The New Arthashastra, uh, ex-Defense Minister Manohar Parikar, he had gone back to Goa and become the Chief Minister by then. So he said that he did not understand why India had to be first hit before it would hit back. He said that there, would, there should be an element of unpredictability in the country's military strategy. He mentioned the advantages of unpredictability and said, I quote him here, if a written strategy exists, you are giving away your strength. Why should India bind itself to no first use? India is a responsible nuclear power and we will not use nuclear weapons irresponsibly, unquote. As his statement made ripples back then, he later clarified that these statements were in his personal capacity and that there was no official change in India's policy. The essence of the former defense minister's introspection was that ambiguity enhanced deterrence. Uh, a little earlier than that, uh, Ambassador Shiv Shankar Menon, uh, former national security advisor, had written that India may have to resort to first use in case it had definitive information on Pakistan's intent to launch first. 
uh, also in a speech at the National Defense College in, uh, in 2010, he described India's nuclear doctrine as emphasizing minimum deterrence, no first use against non-nuclear weapon states. Now, since he mentioned NFU, no first use, to just non-nuclear weapon states, analysts concluded that India was retaining a first use option against nuclear adversaries, especially Pakistan and China. So in other words, uh, in, in Neyman's language, uh, Ambassador Shiv Shankar Menon emphasized that India would want to uh, have a first use policy against uh, uh, states like uh, Pakistan and would continue to have some kind of a minimum deterrence. So there was no change in terms of deterrence, but only in terms of the usage, who would go first. Now, after that, in 2018, the uh, Defense Minister Nirmala Sitaraman, the then Defense Minister Nirmala Sitaraman, in reply to a question in the parliament, said that the government was aware of the growing nuclear capability of Pakistan and is committed to take all necessary steps to safeguard national security and respond to any threat suitably. While successive governments post Vajpayee led NDA 1 had stuck with no first use, the Narendra Modi led BJP prior to the 2014 election and its manifesto promised to revise and update India's nuclear doctrine to make it relevant to the challenges of the current times. Many interpreted this as moving away from NFU or potentially diluting it. However, it was reported that uh, Modi quickly denied such an intention, stating in an interview in April 2014, uh, I quote him here, NFU was a great initiative of Atal Bihari Vajpayee. There is no compromise on that. We are very clear. NFU is a reflection of our cultural inheritance, unquote. Now, just last November, while making announcement of the first deterrence patrol of India's ballistic missile nuclear submarine, INS Arihant, Modi again pledged commitment to NFU saying, I quote him again here, India remains committed to the, committed to the doctrine of credible minimum deterrence and no first use as enshrined in the decision taken in, uh, in 2003, in the January uh, of 2003. Now, uh, this is how uh, we, have, we have been uh, listening to conflicting signals uh, in the past uh, six to seven years. But I think it is safe to say that the, uh, the nuclear doctrine itself has not changed uh, any bit, but just that uh, people who at one point in time uh, uh, were in uh, important positions like uh, Manohar Parikar or Ambassador Shiv Shankar Menon or even uh, the then Defense Minister Nirmala Sitaraman they have gone ahead and uh, made uh, some statements or have clarified uh, the government's position. But that apart, somehow the nuclear doctrine itself of uh, no first use, that has not changed much. So, uh, Mohal, if you, can now, uh, if you can now elaborate on how a revision of the Indian nuclear policy from no first use to first use, uh, if you can elaborate on how it would be useful, would you do that? Yeah. So the no first use doctrine that India has 
says that India will not be the first ones to use nuclear weapons in a conflict. Now, this means that India would have to take a blow before it can dish out damage to the enemy in the nuclear domain. Now, this doctrine of taking punishment before India can launch nuclear weapons is not favored by some, some folks who call this strategy as a loss of initiative and weak. Now, Lieutenant General B.S. Nagal, a former strategic forces commander under who uh, under which the nuclear weapons uh, come under the strategic forces command has been consistently arguing for revocation of the no first use pledge on the grounds that it allows Pakistan to take the initiative while restricting India's options. Uh, militarily, however, like no first use uh, puts India in a disadvantageous position. So let me uh, dwell deeper uh, but before we dwell deeper on the question of the benefits of first use versus no first use, for the benefit of listeners, I will uh, spend a little time on uh, two aspects of nuclear targeting, which are commonly known as counter force targeting and counter value targeting. So mm-hmm. a counter force targeting is a target where you are uh, the objective is to uh, hit the elements of the military infrastructure which can be either weapons or bases that support them while a counter value target refers to the targeting of the opponent's cities or civilian populations so like basically if you hear hitting the armed forces or the delivery systems it's basically counter force and if you're hitting just general population to obliterate them which is called as counter value now for a country like india uh, Dr. Manpreet Sethi, who is a distinguished fellow at Center of Air Power Studies uh, in New Delhi and is an uh, expert on nuclear affairs, has argued that NFU makes a very good uh, strategy or policy for India. So uh, what no first use is basically it leaves the onus of escalation on the adversary. Here the adversary and not India has to break the so-called taboo or threshold of using nuclear weapons after which India can justify the response with a massive retaliation on the enemy's assets. Now, after being used in uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, there has been a uh, aversion to use nuclear weapons and a strong opposition worldwide. So, like India won't be seen as the aggressor here by uh, having the adversary first use nuclear weapons so it can claim to have the moral high ground. Also, India's doctrine doesn't discriminate between uh, strategic and tactical weapons uh, as part of the massive retaliation strategy that which means that basically in case of uh, any kind of use of nuclear weapons it will invite uh, massive retaliation so this leaves the onus of escalation plus the moral dilemma of using nuclear weapons on the enemy where they have lost the moral high ground and plus any kind of even a small tactical attack on just a few armored vehicles or tanks and soldiers will invite a massive retaliation where the enemy could be finished off with a huge nuclear strike. Even if it happens on Pakistani soil. Yeah. Yeah. So the policy, the nuclear policy doesn't differentiate between a nuclear attack on Indian soil versus foreign soil. Yeah. So, uh, so now let's say like India moves to the first use policy as Rajnath Singh was, maybe hinting to in the future. Uh, 
uh, obviously there's no policy change in the future but let's like for a devil's advocate let's see what if you do to a first use now in such a case a first strike would have to be a decapitation strike as they say because you want to knock out all of the enemy's nuclear assets which can be used to store or launch nuclear weapons you don't want to leave the the, the chance that you know you take out half his assets and the, with the other half the enemy having nothing to lose at that case would uh, react would do a second strike on your cities and armed forces and would cause massive damage to you so unless you can destroy all of their assets you will be looking to suffer a second strike on yourself so what you need to do is probably you need to take out all their assets in one shot now to do this you will need to have excellent what they call as isr capabilities which is intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance to ensure that you can account for all of their nuclear assets this capability i mean we are not sure that india fully possesses at the moment and it would also require time money and resources to, significant of them to be invested to develop the isr to identify all the launch platforms and the uh, facilities which store nuclear weapons and to take them out in a single uh, strike now also trying to destroy all of the enemy's nuclear assets would require a far larger inventory than what india has which is for credible minimum deterrence or counter value targeting so if if the uh, for counter value targeting maybe if you are just looking to destroy a few of the enemy cities to cause a uh, a uh, substantial amount of damage for targeting all the nuclear assets you might require multiple weapons for a target or you might if the uh, assets are spread out over a large geographical area you would require a far bigger inventory of nuclear weapons than what india currently has also furthermore now no first use proposes counter value targeting where the cities would be targeted once the your enemy has used nuclear weapons on on indian or indian forces now with the size of cities in asia one doesn't require very large level of accuracy as a nuclear bomb i mean you could practically drop a nuclear bomb anywhere on a city which will cause enormous damage due to the high population density of uh, indian cities however for counter force targeting Uh, with the first use policy you require a very high level of accuracy so uh, not only the aforementioned uh, points on isr and accuracy will take uh, play a key role in taking out uh, these assets but even if you consider mobile assets like missile launchers airplanes or submarines they are always on the move so unless you have very crucial information uh, you could be missing them uh, or even if you barely miss maybe they might be get a glancing blow and they could launch uh, against you so you also require a very li- high level of targeting for the counter uh, force strategy now also remember that pakistan is working on putting the nuclear capable uh, the submarine launch cruise missile babar on its submarines in the future to have assured second strike capability now since submarines are harder to detect and destroy once they are underwater this will also make elimination of nu- all the nuclear assets much harder like even in in the case that india was able to destroy all of pakistan's land based assets in a theoretical first strike the submarines could be hovering anywhere in the arabian sea and could launch their second strike response against india so uh, these are like some of the various points now one more thing is that first use or counter force targeting 
where we target all the uh, the military assets also means that this would have to be a bolt from the blue attack as if because if the enemy is aware of an incoming strike it won't be successful as i said the the mobile assets like submarines airplanes and um, uh, uh, the missile launchers like they would obviously be moved to safer locations or more secured or hardened nuclear proof shelters to prevent them from getting attacked so this would require the indian nuclear forces to be on a quick trigger alert to launch any time because uh, if you are uh, take too long i mean the enemy would detect a uh, massive movement of indian nuclear assets and prepare for an incoming strike so this what this does is having to be on a quick trigger alert all the time creates an additional headache of having the nuclear warheads to be constantly mated with the delivery systems now usually in the nuclear domain uh, like demating of warheads is done to prevent accidents or they being launched without authorization by a rogue armed forces officer so the warhead and the trigger or the delivery system they are all kept separately uh for safety purposes now granted this risk is more likely in the case of pakistan with their tactical nukes versus india but it does possess a risk nonetheless if you uh, to create this a uh, quick trigger attacks you have to keep all your warheads mated together all the time now so to conclude for a growing country like india which has innumerable change uh, challenges uh with all kinds of developmental issues i mean if if india switched to uh from a no first use and a counter value targeting to uh a first use and a counter force targeting will mean that india will have to spend much more beefing up its isr capabilities the number of nuclear warheads the has to fine tune the accuracy of its delivery systems uh command and control authority plus the moral dilemma which always exists that you are the guys to use nuclear weapons first in an uh, exchange plus also the other uh possibility that i think ambassador shiv shankar menon mentioned that let's say if india had a first use policy where they think that pakistan is preparing for their own launch and india decides to launch and if they find out later on the information is false then it creates a moral dilemma that you would have launched based on bad information uh, so then it would put the moral dilemma back on you to uh, have started the nuclear war first so there are whole lot of um, i mean capabilities and technological and uh, command and control and moral issues by from switching from a no first use and counter value target sorry counter uh, yeah value targeting to a first use and counter force targeting so uh moving on uh, kishor like what has been uh, pakistan's response to the statement by uh, radnath singh yeah so uh, as expected pakistan's uh, foreign minister Shah Mahmood uh, Qureshi termed the uh, Indian Defence Minister's statement uh, as uh, shocking and irresponsible, and he read out from a prepared statement. I quote: "The substance and timing of the Indian Defence Minister's statement is highly unfortunate and reflective of India's irresponsible and belligerent behaviour. It further exposes the pretence 
of their no-first-use policy to which we have never accorded any credence. No-first-use pledge is non-verifiable and cannot be taken at face value, especially when development of offensive capabilities and force postures belie such claims. Pakistan has always proposed measures relating to nuclear restraint in South Asia and has eschewed measures that are offensive in nature. Pakistan will continue to maintain a credible minimum deterrence posture, unquote. Now, although this was the official statement coming in from the foreign minister, uh, there were a couple of uh, uh, issues with what he said. First, uh, they kept telling that uh, uh, they never accorded any credence to the India's uh, no first use policy, which is actually true because Pakistan has always refused to acknowledge that India had a no first use policy. And uh, beyond that, they kept uh, pointing fingers at uh, uh, India's uh, efforts to have uh, offensive capabilities and uh, turned the tables around and said that India was always the aggressor, uh, although that was not the case. Now, the other part was that uh, Shah Mahmood Qureshi pointing out that Pakistan will continue to maintain a credible minimum deterrence posture, which is again a lie, uh, Mohan, like how you mentioned, that Pakistan has already switched over from credible minimum deterrence posture to a full-spectrum response uh, deterrence posture after Operation Parakram. So again, uh, there were there were ironical and uh, hypocritical hypocritical uh, statements coming in from uh, Shah Mahmood Qureshi. So yeah, that was the response coming in from Pakistan. Now, uh, Mohal, are there any other concerns of moving away from uh, no first use policy? Yeah, so India, since its nuclear tests in Pokhran two in nineteen ninety eight, has uh, as as we said, like has a stated no first use policy. Now this has allowed India to project itself as a responsible nuclear power, and has allowed India to get accepted in the global nuclear order. Now the Indian India US civil nuclear deal in two thousand eight owes some credit to this stance from India. Uh, now India is a member of most of the technology denial regimes as uh, MTCR, uh, the missile technology control regime and the Wassenaar arrangement. It is also pursuing full membership of nuclear suppliers group. Uh, we do have a, a, a waiver, correct? Kishore for the mm -hmm. NSG, but That's we don't right. have full yeah. membership. Now moving away from the NFU could possibly harm India's nuclear image and give more excuses for countries like China to keep blocking its uh, full membership to the nuclear suppliers group or NSG. So um, in conclusion, I mean, Radnath Singh didn't say that India was actually changing its policy from like that day, but it could be revised in the future if the need arise to do so. Now, see, now no doctrine is ever set in stone forever and they always change as per the circumstances of that era. All he was suggesting is that we cannot guarantee that the doctrine will hold for all times. Now, many have already called for a periodic review of the doctrine and in India's case, there is no exception. Now, India's strategic environment has massively changed in the last 20 years or so since Pokhran 2. 
and is still constantly evolving as we have seen over the events of the past uh, four or five years and especially the last six months. So as mentioned, any change in the policy will require some cost to be borne by India uh, and some thinking to be done uh, by the government and uh, strategic decision makers. Uh, they will have to take all the points that we mentioned of switching from no first use to first use mm-hmm. uh, policy. Now, we know that Radhanath Singh, unlike many other politicians, is always measured in his comments and doesn't go, doesn't make like a lot of over-the-top statements. So he isn't signaling a shift from NFU today, but is keeping uh, India's position open on the possibility of moving away in the future if the circumstances force it to be. This was probably to like, I mean, send a message to Pakistan that, hey, it should not take like India's NFU as sarcosant in perpetuity while they continue to sponsor terrorist attacks against India via non-state actors while they try to hide behind their uh, nuclear umbrella. I mean, which has been the hiding behind the nuclear umbrella has been sort of uh, hollowed out by the cross-border surgical strikes in 2016 and 19. But I don't think it has uh, stopped Pakistan from trying to push more terrorists into India to create more mayhem. Exactly. And which is why each, uh, each Indian response will have to be bigger than the previous response. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in conclusion, again, uh, uh, Mohal, the Modi government appears to have calculated that the fear of an Indian nuclear strike will raise Pakistan's cost of cross-border terrorism thus deterring its use. But only time will tell if uh, that kind of a calculation actually was correct or not. What is interesting about all this is that there has been no response coming in from India's other nuclear neighbor, China, which too has a stated no first use policy and with which India has already fought a war more than, a, more than half a century ago. The very fact that China did not react and Pakistan reacted the way it did helps the Modi government believe that the statement from Defense Minister uh, has served its purpose of instilling some sort of confusion and lack of clarity in the mind of the adversary. And that, in the absence of a valid, updated nuclear doctrine, serves the purpose for now for the Modi government. Yeah, I think, I mean, even if you look at Pakistan's behavior, I mean, every time they've been just threatening the uh, use of nuclear weapons, I mean, it's funny, like a couple of days ago, they launched a nuclear ballistic, uh, sorry, not the nuclear short range missile. And Mm -hmm. the next day, Imran Khan is writing an op-ed in the New York Times saying that uh, uh, the world should be aware that a nuclear war could break out. So like it shows kind of the schizophrenic uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, behavior from Pakistan where on one hand they might threaten with nuclear weapons and the other hand they would launch uh, ballistic missiles from it for it to satisfy its domestic audience. I mean, uh, but India has like shown like with Balakot and like the cross-border strikes that uh, the overhang of the nuclear umbrella doesn't fear India and uh, it's ready to, there is a space, subconventional space to respond to terrorist attacks, uh, which is well below the nuclear threshold. Right. Okay. So, uh, dear listeners, if you are listening to our episode for the first time, uh, each episode we recommend to you any book, article or any other read that we feel might interest you. 
keeping the practice going mohal what are your recommendation uh, i would recommend uh, the re- the listeners to go like read any of uh, dr manpreet sethi's books or papers or even recent articles post radnath singh's comments mm-hmm. uh, i mean she is one of the most well researched uh, scholars on the nuclear policy in india absolutely i concur with you so kishore uh, what's your recommendation for this week yeah so my recommendation for the week is actually the book written by uh, shiv shankar menon ambassador himself uh, who after retiring uh, wrote a book titled choices inside the making of india's foreign policy where he actually uh, talks about uh, uh, all the all the uh, decision making choices that uh, he either participated directly or was associated in so they include the 2005 to 2008 us india nuclear agreement the first ever boundary related agreement between india and china uh, india's decision not to use overt force against pakistan in response to the 2008 terror attacks in mumbai and also the 2009 defeat of the tamil rebellion in sri lanka and also india's disavowal of the first use of nuclear weapons so that would be an interesting uh, read i believe so that would be uh, my uh, recommendation for the week so uh, that dear listeners wraps up today's episode where we covered in detail the stated nuclear doctrine policy of the indian government and the statement by the defense minister on how it is neither permanent nor bound to india's peaceful rise to continue hearing about such interesting topics do subscribe to our channel india rising wherever you are listening to us if you have not left us a review we urge you to do so as it helps other listeners like you in finding us we would also like to hear from you if you have any suggestions on any topics that you would like us to cover do remember that these topics should be directly related to indian foreign policy until the next time this is mohal and kishore signing off